0: everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Tom Young. He is the chief medical officer and founder of Enview. He is a board certified family physician with more than 35 years of medical experience. He's responsible for working with the Enview team of software technology experts, the customers and partners to ensure clinical best practices are incorporated into everything they do. Tom is a recognized thought leader in consumer-directed healthcare and population health management and can be often found speaking at behavioral health industry events. Tom lives in Boise, Idaho with his wife, and he's just doing incredible things as he has in his very impressive healthcare career. Tom, such a privilege to have you here on the podcast today. It's great to be on. I'm looking forward to it. Likewise, likewise. And so before we jump into Enview, And the work that you guys do in advancing behavioral health solutions for providers. Talk to us a little bit about what has inspired your work and your journey in healthcare. Well, I think
1: like most people, I began my journey in healthcare with the idea of doing good things for people. Traveled a few roads, uh, went into family medicine and began to enjoy a lot of learning about people and became really more interested in people than disease. And I think that was kind of an interesting turn for me. So over the years, beginning to understand how people think, how they feel, not just what's their disease, but more who they are and their response to that process. I think that's been the inspiring part for me and getting into behavioral health, learning that, that people have problems. I think probably the most inspiring thing for now that's kept me going the last 20 plus years is I had a son who died of suicide. Hmm. And about 22 years ago now. And so that really focused me intently on how people think and how people feel and beginning to see what I could do to improve that particular disorder, if you will.
0: Yeah, no. And we really appreciate you sharing that, Tom. I mean, it's a very real thing. And I feel like it's become more front and center and acceptable to talk about mental health. And hey, you're not it's a chronic condition, right? Like diabetes. So why do we shy away from it? And I think we've evolved, thankfully, but we still have a long way to go. Talk to us a little bit about Enview. What exactly are you guys doing? How are you adding value to the ecosystem with it?
1: Great question. Enview really began out of a focus that I had that said that primary care doctors are writing about 85% of the prescriptions for mental health drugs. They make about 80 plus percent of all the diagnoses. Uh, of mental health disorders in our country. They're really the backbone for the mental health care system in the U.S. Mm-hmm. as primary care providers. And they struggle to get the correct diagnosis. They don't have the tools that they have for other disorders. They don't have the assistance. There is no MRI for emotions. And so I became aware of some things that were going on. view really came out of the pure research world and had been around for 25 years in assisting researchers in getting the correct diagnosis for research studies. And I said to the gentleman, Dr. David Sheehan, who had written all that, I want that. Primary care docs need that. So out of that was born the building back, starting back in 2016, of Enview to bring quality diagnostic tools into the space for primary care providers. And we've expanded beyond Dr. Sheehan's tools to other what we call world-class gold standard assessment tools uh, in diseases like body dysmorphic disorder and OCD and anxiety and other specific disorders to help primary care docs get it right.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, fascinating statistics, Tom. So 85% of diagnoses in mental health come from primary care. The scripts too, right? And what are we doing to empower them? This is fascinating. The alignment too, right? Like there's also a misalignment in reimbursement.
1: Very, very true. There is a significant misalignment and reimbursement in this country. The Reimbursement structure is based upon sort of skills. What do you do? procedures. It's not based on thoughts. It's not based on intellectual activity. It's not based on intellectual action, if you will. So I'm not incented as a primary care uh, provider to ask you, so how does that make you feel? How are you feeling? Yeah. I don't really have time. I don't really know what to do with the information. In primary care, unfortunately, it's become how many people are you seeing in a day? I remember back to my primary care days of actually uh, practicing and even back then, back in the 80s and 90s, I could make more doing a procedure in an hour in my office than I could make all day seeing patients with diabetes or high blood pressure or depression. Yeah. So there is a misalignment. You're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. And so we're figuring this out, right? And, and we got to figure it out together. It starts with diagnosis, right? Figuring out that the mm-hmm. problems there. And so a lot of times these afflictions go undiagnosed. And so that is an even bigger problem. So I think it's a huge opportunity that you guys are uncovering here. So if you think about what makes NView unique or different than what's out there, what would you say that is?
1: I think there's two things. The first is we're focused on what's called measurement-based care. That is a way to ensure quality. It's a way to ensure approved outcomes. So measurement-based care is critical in all phases. And then secondarily, the few tools that are out there really focus on conglomerates of symptoms. Our focus is on helping primary care doctors get the right diagnosis, helping them with the information they need to make a correct diagnosis. And from correct diagnosis comes better treatment, and from better treatment comes better outcomes. Yeah. So we see ourselves as kind of the tip of the spear, a good screener that helps the doctor say, hey, this patient may have OCD. And now I've got some interview tools in my hands to be able to ask the right questions to confirm that uh, diagnosis. And then I've got some really good tools to see how they're doing over time, and it's what I'm doing helping them. So that measurement-based care combined with diagnostic focus is really the uniqueness for us.
0: I love it. And you said something around the lines of like gold standard. And I love that, right? Having these, a good like data-based way to do the work that you're doing consistently. I think that's so important.
1: Right, it is. And I think it gives primary care doctors a leg up in being able to do that efficiently. Many of our tools literally can be sent to their clients, their patients in advance completed in advance, doesn't take up office time. Doctor has in front of him or her or nurse practitioner or PA. They have the information when the patient comes in and they can focus on it right now. Makes everybody more efficient, makes everybody more accurate. And to some extent, I think it opens up the concept that it's okay to talk about these issues. You and I have shared it's kind of developing trust. Around issues. And the other interesting factor, and I bring this in, is about forty-five percent of all people who successfully commit suicide in the United States today saw their primary care doctor in the previous 30 days. Which says to me, I need to help my primary care brethren find that. Yeah. They need to see that. They need to know how to see that coming, if you will, because really that's one of the, the key issues. And then secondarily. For people working in the behavioral health space, giving them tools to manage people post-suicide attempt, because those are difficult patients. Uh, they yes. scare a lot of people in the sense of, I don't want to take the risk because, again, philosophically, uh, health care providers, the biggest enemy they have is death. That's what they fight against. And unfortunately, people who are suicidal scare people. So hopefully giving them tools that they can follow and track and manage people who are post-suicide will, again, help us reduce that particular disorder around the country and around the world. It's a significant problem around the world. It's not just the U.S.
0: Yeah, Tom, it is. It's a big, big issue. And View helps folks diagnose, helps primary care physicians diagnose, and then provides tools to help the patients that have tried and failed suicide. You know, how about the middle section there where you take them through the questions and you identify, you know, OCD or something, right? Depression, whatever Mm -hmm. it might be referral pathways have been a challenge. You know, what do we give people? Like, how do you manage them? Like, if you want to help your patients, what do you do?
1: Well, That's a great question, because that's often the question I get. OK, I understand all this. I can do this. What do I do with them when I find them? Yeah, Because access is a, is a huge issue in the U.S., yeah. and you, you certainly focused on that. I think we're seeing a lot more of things like what's called computer-assisted cognitive behavioral therapy. These are computer-based programs that people can use. And a number of studies, uh, particularly here, as well as places like Australia that use a lot of computer-based solutions in their mental health work, can really help people without needing to have that face-to-face contact with a therapist or a physician or even need a medication. So I think we suggest those things. We interweave our program with some apps that can provide somebody screens positive for depression. We can immediately provide them some psychoeducational material provide them some support, some encouragement to seek the next step in therapy. So there are a lot of work is going into how do we use technology to improve access. We work with, on our research side right now, probably four companies, many of whom, if I said their name, everybody in America would know, that are working to develop these kind of computer-based, cloud-based treatment outcome measures and treatments. Mm -hmm. So that's part of what we do is hook our physicians up with solutions, hook them up with telehealth companies. We have several telehealth companies that we work with. So we're trying to not only improve diagnostic and assessment, but also improve the outcome and give physicians around the country better options.
0: Love it. Yeah, I think that's critical. Filling that gap. Virtual is going to have to be, at least for the start of it, an option sounds like you're leading the physicians you work with to some virtual options because the numbers are totally off, right? I mean, there's like very few mental health practitioners to the need. Correct.
1: And it's gotten it's gotten a lot worse, obviously, through the pandemic. And I think one of the things that's been highlighted through the pandemic is the issue of pediatric mental health disorders. Children with anxiety, children with depression, uh, children with undiagnosed OCD, children with other disorders that are not readily apparent or easy to get in touch with, helping parents to understand some of those disorders. And we're certainly seeing that now as sort of the second wave, the, the big tsunami, if you will, mm-hmm. from the pandemic. And I think one of the things, if we can say anything, it has done a couple of things. It really has focused our country on the need for behavioral health solutions. And it really has helped us focus on the, on the access issue by essentially immediately saying telehealth, we gotta get help for people on a nationwide basis. And so I think those two things are both good things that may have come out of this pandemic.
0: Yeah, I agree, Tom. And you know, the unique thing when you talk about like pediatrics is also like, where do you capture it? So there's the gateway of the school. Are there any efforts around, you know, accessing it at the school?
1: There are. And we've been working with some folks over the last couple of years uh, around that. We actually have programs now that we've taken into colleges and universities. Because again, that's that's an area where you see significant behavioral health issues. I practice part time at a college, and so I I see that on a daily basis. At the school based healthcare, yes, schools are starting to focus on this. Certain programs are now being brought in. A lot of schools are looking at the ability to to capture this information, be able to refer people. And like I often say to some of my patients and some of my students, where I still teach, is. Children are explorers into the wonderful world of psychotherapy for their families. And so often it's the reflected behavior in a family, in a child, inside a family that brings the family together around mental health issues. So it's schooling the schools to be able to recognize that. And yes, we are working with some school-based programs. We have the only really validated worldwide psychiatric interview for children. And so we can, oh, right? we can break that up and, and give those diagnostic modules to schools to use.
0: Fascinating. Well, look, I think the opportunity is great. The tools and resources that your company is providing, Tom, are, are outstanding. Now, I'm going to switch hats for a second. And I know that during the pandemic, many physician practices have had tremendous headwinds, You know, revenue losses. And everything like that. So as providers look to supplement that revenue and find different ways to earn, I think these screenings can be a way too, right? I mean, if you're doing the right thing and you're getting paid for it and you deserve it, right? If you're adding value, you deserve to get paid. I'm a firm believer in that. So do these diagnostic tests You know, do they have CPTs attached to them? Are there ways for for physicians to get paid?
1: Actually, there are a couple of ways, and yes, they do. The more and more payers are now looking at this measurement-based care process and understanding that measurement-based care not only improves outcomes, but reduces total cost. So they're paying for things like appropriate screening tools. They're paying for tracking tools, things that are monitoring people's outcome. So earlier recognition of non-improvement saves money for the payer. So yes, payers are now paying for these tools. The ability for primary care, one of the things that limits primary care docs from what's called E&M codes is the ability to have the right documentation. Okay. Our tools provide all the documentation. Nice. So now when they want to bill for a psychiatric visit for based on really focusing on the patient's depression, focusing on their anxiety, whatever it may be, we provide them the necessary tools to support that e and code by having our data inside their system. They now can support that code to the payer and get paid more for that visit, which is appropriate. And as we talked about earlier, thinking and thought often doesn't get paid as much as cutting and sewing. But here there is codes. If I can provide you the right data and right information, now you can bill for that code. So we're trying to bring that that issue of doing the right thing, measuring the care that you give and documenting what you do can result in a higher revenue return.
0: Yeah. No, thank you for that, Tom. And it's important to note this because oftentimes people say, oh, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to increase your RVUs, you're trying to get more revenue. But the reality is, if there's no reimbursement pathway, people are are very less likely to do the work. And so I love that there's an opportunity here with the EM. And what does the ENM stand for? Evaluation and management. Oh, yeah, perfect. And it goes back to this idea of chronic condition, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's got to be evaluated. It's got to be managed. And 85% you mentioned is the number of diagnoses that happen for mental health. So I'm grateful that you shared this pathway. And do you think there's a lot of physicians and physician practices that don't know this? I think they
1: understand that they can often get paid a little bit for screening. But I think the biggest problem is really is understanding the the full depth and breadth of what's out there to help them. And so that's yeah. been as we started the business and moved from our pure research background into the space of doing what I built the company for originally, which is giving primary care docs the opportunity to get the right information, get it quickly, easily, and effectively. And now we're getting that word out in all kinds of different ways. People are starting to look at measurement-based care, and we are kind of the top of the heap for that with all of the tools from all the different psychologists and psychiatrists that we represent on our platform. And so we're getting there. And I think we've got some really good backwinds, tailwinds if you're a sailor. And uh, so our sails are getting full and the spinnaker's out. And we're moving forward with some haste and hopefully making some change, cutting some waves.
0: I love it. Yeah, this is fantastic, Tom. And as you reflect on the steps that you've taken to build the company, what would you say is one of the biggest setbacks you've experienced and a key learning that has made you guys even better?
1: I think, number one, changing our focus just a bit. We started in the research world. I started out talking to individual physicians about it and that you know some physicians could grasp it, could get it into their workflow that others couldn't. And at one point I finally said, I think the turn has to be, I have to be able to provide an entire solution that people can take and integrate fully right into their existing platforms. And so moving from a standalone software product to a product that could literally bolt onto anybody's already existing workflow, because one of the things, and you alluded to it earlier, Mm -hmm. that learning came when I realized that if you're trying to do something that bends the carpet fiber of a doctor's office the wrong way, it's not going to work. So that was the shift in number one, and that shift really resulted in how did we actually build the product? So we had to move from our original platform and say, my goal now is how do I I bring this to them and put it where they live, which is in their EHR? Yes. So, and like now we have opportunities with some of the largest EHRs to be able to put our tools into their EHR, which then spreads that out to a larger group Mm -hmm. of physicians for use for physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs that are already using one of the major EHRs, if our stuff is built in, now I can use it. Now it fits. Now I can put it to work for me. So that's one of the things that we've had to shift our thinking about.
0: Wow. And so, yeah, you get to this access portal of the EHR. It really opens up the market for you. Right, exactly. Wow, fascinating. So kudos to you and your team, Tom, for doing the heavy lift because that type of shift is never light. Uh, (laughs) It's a lot of red tape, it's coding, it's aligning and making sure that the connections are correct and that it's seamless. So kudos to you. You come to this with a very personal mission. And I think it's those leaders that have that fire within them to make these types of shifts and changes work and stay long-term. Instead of disrupting, it's transforming. And I really believe that what you're doing is going to create change that stays. And so I'm excited that you guys are working on this. What are you most excited about?
1: Right now, I'm really excited about the team that we've been able to bring together over the, particularly over the last 24 months. To really, as you point out, make these sort of cataclysmic shifts, some really, really bright-driven folks, and our ability to really grow through through all the crises and difficulties that our country has had over the last uh, twenty twelve to eighteen months. So that that for me is the exciting part, seeing and seeing our tools get into people's hands and getting back the gee this is great, you know, kinds of statements that we get and having people. Interested in the conversation around behavioral health as a fully integrated component of, of regular health care. And I think that's really the big piece is that wedge that says you need to have behavioral health fully integrated with physical health. And so our, our ability to help do that has been exciting.
0: Yeah, that is that is exciting. The future is bright as a lot of efforts in integrating mental and, and physical health are underway. You're creating that pathway, that necessary pathway for physicians to act on it. And I think it, it's invaluable. So Tom, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate you sharing it. Folks, you could go to nview that's the letter nviewcom to learn more about Tom's company and the work that they're doing on advancing behavioral health for all of us. Tom, leave us with the closing thought and also share with us the best way that folks could reach out to you if they want to engage and learn more. Sure. Well, you
1: reach me, it's really simple, tyoung, T-Y-O-U-N-G at envu.com. Uh, happy to take any and all messages and share with you. I think what I'm excited about and what I'm looking forward to is this continued journey of realization in our country of the importance of people's, their mental well-being, As part of their physical well-being, not keeping them separate, but looking at sort of the 360 degree view of people. For me, that's the most exciting change that we at InView could help facilitate is the sudden realization that your mental health, your mental well-being is just as important as your physical well-being and that providers become comfortable with those conversations.
0: Well said. Well said. Well, Tom, we appreciate it. And folks... I hope you enjoyed this interview with Dr. Young. The work being done by him and his team is paving the way to what we need to receive the care for mental health. And so really appreciate your time here, Dr. Young, and looking forward to staying in touch.
1: All right, thanks all. Look forward to it. Have a wonderful day.